Welcome to a brand new episode of Milt's Tuesday Tracks Podcast. And today I have a special return guest, Mr. Tommy Blaney. Welcome, Tommy, back to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me back. I'm glad I didn't wear out my welcome first time here. No, no, you're always welcome here on the podcast. So, yes, uh, we were have we had a great discussion about an idea for this episode, and we're going to center it around a very popular band that was headed by Scottish American uh, uh, lead singer, and he is otherwise known as the front man for the Talking Heads, and we're going to go back in time, way back to another decade, to 1980. And this is the album of that year, and it is titled Remain in Light. And we have, uh, we want to go over in this episode a couple of tracks that we particularly liked. And, uh, and well, let me st uh, start with you, Tommy, and you can take the lead. And also give us a little background, uh, if you will, about the, the band. And this oh, album. Uh, well, the, um... Yeah, this, yeah, Talking Heads. I mean, I, really, I got that that song, Once in a Lifetime, that I really loved. And I had seen, like, recordings of some live concerts that they have. They were really high energy, and they seemed, like, real positive, and, you know, make fun music, right? And then, um, so, yeah, so I went back, and I listened to this this album from 1980. Yeah, it said it's it's over 40 years ago. But, yeah, so... Um, really blown away by the album as just a really work of art. And, you know, I had kind of like forgotten details about talking heads in them. So I just was trying to listen to this kind of with like fresh ears and, you know, not, not have um, other stuff in my mind to, to, you know, point me in a direction, one direction or another and listening to it. And it's just really like, like, we were, we were talking about like, you know, talking and like, it, it was fun. I would say would be the most powerful one for me in all the songs on the album. And it's powerful for me listening to it in the context of the album with all the other songs around it. Like if I just heard it on the radio or somebody said, here's a song and you know, isn't this great? I would be like, yeah, I don't know. But the emotional roller coaster that they, create from beginning of this to the end of it and then smashing that song in as number six like just threw me for a loop because all of a sudden out of nowhere i i'm listening to this and it, he's almost like not singing it's kind of just like spoken word almost with kind of a simple background track compared to what all the other songs on there and felt like the the meaning behind that one kind of like is not resolving, but kind of like responding to all the turmoil of the songs before it and then kind of settling me down a bit. But and then not to you know, get too much into this with um I don't want to lay it all out here right away, but like the um like he had they had to make me uncomfortable and say uncomfortable things and make me really try to like get into the the groove of the songs and then all of a sudden they drop that there and i go okay great this is what i want so i, I just i thought it was masterful the way they did this whole album it just you know it really stunned me from even the album cover and the names of the album the name of the album and to the names of the, the songs in a 
and how they ordered them is like really blew me away. But my number one, I say that this is the the must listen to song of the entire album would be seen and not seen. That's awesome, Tommy. Yeah, I, you know, it's funny. Um, I was not well versed into uh, this album. I mean, I've heard the hits like in the early 80s, uh, Burning Down the House, and the, the ones that really hit the mainstream uh, charts. But this album, is, I guess it gave me a more in-depth view of, of the, the, uh, the exploration that the band did. Uh, I guess I, I was doing a little research on it, and it seems they not, not just touch on the usual rock influences of other bands, but they went, I mean, they were international. Uh, I, I believe they uh, actually, they uh, went overseas uh, for to produce this album. Uh, let me see here as well, actually in the Caribbean, in the Bahamas, and also over here in the US in Philadelphia. And actually you mentioned to me in conversation that uh, a famed producer, Brian Eno, uh, that name is very recognizable in the rock world, he actually also produced uh, album or albums for uh, the, the great Irish band U2. Uh, so he was had his, his hand in this album production. So uh, thank you for that, Tommy. It was yeah. Um, and so yeah, I mean this in this album you, you hear the influence. It's uh, they go to African uh, music. They have a, uh, they, they said there's influence from a Nigerian musician. I hope I'm not mispronouncing it, but it's a fellow Kuti. Um, and they go into like African funk, uh, and electronics, uh, and I mean, you, you hear uh, the, the different influences and in different tracks to hear. Um, my, my track that I like, and I believe this is the one, uh, it's, it's called The Overload. And that was, I, I felt very, very um, akin to what, I guess what I, I you know, the, the, it seemed more, well, aligned with what, the, the, what I felt was like a signature sound of Talking Heads, but that's based on what I've heard, you know, on mainstream radio. Uh, and it had a lot of uh, very heavy David Byrne vocals in it. Um, uh, and actually, it was, um, some people have uh, mentioned that uh, there was the influence of the English band Joy Division in that track. I could see that, yeah, because David has a, like a haunting vocal uh, backtrack in there, uh, a back sound, vocal sound within the track. So that was really cool. I, I like that a lot. It, it, it's, yeah, it's, well, I don't know. I mean, how did you think about, with, with all that mix of the different types of music, like, I would, if you, it would do your description, right? I would think they'd have these rhythms to really groove to. Yeah. And it would really like come together and be these, these, you'd, you'd get this really um, loose and fun kind of um, beat to it. But um, like I was, when we picked this, I went, I was, I, I played it while I was going out for a run. Nice. And yeah. So I was like, all right, this is perfect. You know, I'll just focus right on this music. And then as I'm running, I'm trying to get into the, the rhythm of it. And like the first song, like Born Under Punches, and then the cross-eyed and painless. Like it was hard for me to get into the, the, the you know, to get into the zone, into the flow with it. And then I was trying to like struggle to find the beat and run along with the beat. And it was, it was like, these guys are doing this on purpose. They're like, they're wanting me to 
feel that they're a little, things are a little bit out of, out of whack, but nonetheless, then it, it comes to the beat and I'm like, all right, I got it. And I'm like, this is, how are they doing this to me? And it like, like on a big, like 50,000 foot view, like philosophy, like philosophical view of music, right? You're supposed to entertain your friends and make people happy. And then I'm like, this is brilliant work of art. You know, I don't understand all the music. I'm not a big time musician that knows how all these instruments come together and making these songs. But I'm like, this is, they're, they're, they're trying to get me a little riled up here. And, but it's, you know, it's, they have a purpose to it. It's so much more complex than just, you know, play some music, entertain your friends, have the campfire, you know, after a long day of work, you hang out and you, and, you know, you're happy for a while. And then, um, and then like the great curve comes in and I'm like getting all like, thinking about the, the curve of the earth from outer space and he's talking to me about well i guess like well i should back up like born under punches is about the governments and how big government can oppress people and then you got the great curve and he's talking about looking at at, at mother earth and you know trying to like and the lyrics seem to me to be trying to connect with you know trust nature you know that there's there is something to the earth that can be making sense out of everything but then once you get that now you got once in a lifetime which now you're like okay here we're in this big nice um fast-paced loud song and it's got the you know you can sing along with it but then even then he's like where you know you can't pick out your car you can't pick out your wife you can't pick out you know everything you know where is my you know and then he's like once in a lifetime and so he's taking us to like contemplating government and the nature, the nature of the world. And then the pedestrian things of just coming home and not recognizing your life and how you got here. And then like, <laughs> I was so upset and I was at this, you know, I was realizing, okay, so this is like art I'm consuming. So he's trying to get this message to me. And I'm like, I was just searching for this resolution through this whole thing. And, um, so that's really where I was. And I was like, you know, what other album is like this that can do this to you? And like, like intentionally, like make me feel like these horn, the horn sections on a couple of these songs. Oh yeah. I was like, they could make it so like, um, you know, but the, they, they just were jarring to me where like coming, I was just like, I just want to like make you stop and then start over again. But, uh, but yeah, so that's, I mean, that's where I was with this. And I was like, like, I can't believe they're doing this. Yeah. Uh, and, and I was, uh, well, I was, I was doing a little research on the band and watch well, I have this, the, the, the genre that this album falls under one of the subgenres of rock. And I was not aware of this. So I actually, uh, with this podcast, I'm always learning. It's <laughs> a plus. Uh, there's a subgenre called art rock. I did not know. Uh, so where hmm. the artist actually draws in from during the artistic perspective on things and, and it becomes a multi-layered kind of composition of work, right? So I could, that definitely pinpoints to where you're, you're, you're analyzing the, the lyrics, the sound, everything, you know, in this album, it, it, that totally, totally definitely falls with all the sub uh, art rock, that uh, subgenre art rock. Art rock. I love it. Art rock. Never heard, I've never heard of it. 
but yeah, I mean that, yeah, that, that would be a way of really, yeah, we, if we must categorize, <laughs> it could be, um, but yeah, I mean, it's yeah. Art rock. And he's just, yeah, the mix of this and just, I don't know. It's, and then, um, being a God fearing American, and then I was listening to Listening Wind, and a lot of it is about like the um, what do you call it the the the, the colonization with America, like in in like I guess I guess it's Africa or ways. Well, he's he's a French guy. These these lyrics, um, yeah, he's in his village nearby and he thinks about the days before the Americans came and like you know, the, the, the very political, which I mean, being, a, you know, as I said, I'm a God fearing American, but, um, you know, the, uh, the point that he's making is well taken. And it's, and then even with that, it's this, you get this, he gives you this song right there. Right. So he makes his way to, to track seven, even after seen and unseen, and now I'm like, okay, with seeing and unseen, the spoken word, kind of trying to make sense of things. And then listening wind, and it's a really back to really deep, heavy subject matter. And, you know, regardless of how, if I agree or disagree, but it's just like, you know, this, this intensity to it. But yeah, I, I yeah, I mean, I guess maybe we could... Uh, Talk a little bit more about seen and not unseen, if you don't mind. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. I just want to. I really. Yeah. Uh, I did a little research on his. Uh, well, the, uh, the vocalist. And I believe he's a lyricist as well. I, I, I if I'm not mistaken, um, uh, David David Byrne. Uh, interesting background. Um, he's originally. Uh, I I always noticed a little bit of an accent to him, um, but he's originally from Scotland, I believe. He was a toddler when he moved to Canada, his family moved to Canada, and then they were there for a number of years. I think when he was around six or so, uh, he moved to the United States. His family was settled in the United States. Um, and one of the reasons why they left Scotland, I discovered, was uh, actually religious. Because <laughs> uh, uh, although they're both Christian, uh, his parents were of different uh, denominations. I guess one was Presbyterian. The other, I'm not sure, but also a Christian. And that caused a little bit of strain within their families. Um, and so they, they decided, okay, we gotta get out of here. <laughs> uh, that, that was one of the reasons. Uh, and uh, his father was an engineer. Uh, so he has that uh, background that in terms of, uh, and he was always a very, from what I read, he's, uh, he was always a very curious child. And then as an adult, of course, you know, just, exploring different ideas. He was not one just to sit, sit, sit still and just be encompassed by a certain, you know, algorithm, you know, especially when it comes to his music. So yeah, I, I, I can see now how that life experience and that upbringing, et cetera, would bring about the musician and his band. Yeah, that would, you know, tie in. That, and that does make a lot of sense. It does kind of like bring things together for me on that, that somebody who, you know, maybe we're talking, I guess I threw, I threw that little joke about categorizing, but yeah, not wanting to be in that category and not wanting to be, you know, given, given troubles for your religious beliefs or what group you're in and what the, you know, obviously very religion and politics go hand in hand. Yeah. With the um, resistance to trusting the big government, trusting, 
whatever opposing religious sect you may be encountering that that actually yeah i mean that that actually makes me look at this with a whole new set of eyes on here i mean yeah that's yeah i mean that's really heavy stuff to be growing up as a kid like that and then you know particularly with your parents moving you know that they're the stress that they're under yeah. trying to protect you from it going to a new place and then starting over that okay. that kind of yeah when you when you talk talk about that that um that background he has now would that kind of person create an album like this i can see that <laughs> you know uh yeah let's go to the track that you you mentioned uh before i sorry i i i, I, I didn't so you wanted to discuss yeah the scene and not seen yes yeah. yeah that it was you know um yeah it really hit me hard with that at one point i was um thinking about like the, the point and I, and I always relate it you know you're gonna hear a song and it's not necessarily what the artist means or what it means to other people but you know i was thinking about like with the musical thought of looking into something like a week before of you know just let your music or your instrument sound like your instrument and don't make it sound like something else. Even if you want to be innovative and interesting, you know, just let you be who you want to be. And then it's, it's hard to do, to do that when you want to make something of yourself, you want to impress your friends, you want to impress yourself, you feed your ego, you want to change yourself over time and improve. That's natural. So it seems as if you're in a real dilemma there. And then I'm listening to scene and not seen. And it's about this guy. He says, you know, we'd see faces in movies and TV and magazines and books. They, he thought that some of those faces might be right for him. And then uh, um, look, later on, the change would be very subtle. It may take 10 years or so. You know, gradually his face would take its shape, you know, and he, he's wanting to change himself. To, and it's this situation where can you be comfortable with yourself and not want to change yourself, but everything in life is changing and everything has to evolve and you're going to want to make it better, but are you doing it like with a purpose? You know, if you do achieve that purpose, you know, was it worth it to get there? And it seems as if, <clears throat> The kind of presenting, even though I said it's kind of resolving, but I guess the turmoil before all those different the, the beats of those songs that got me off my rhythm. Right. And then there was the spoken word with this. And I'm like, okay, so here's the big point, and here's where I'm willing to listen because I'm so agitated by this guy. And now he's talking to me about this point. And if I had just heard this without hearing the other songs before, it wouldn't make that much of an impression on me. But then he got me in that frame of mind, the singer, or the whole band, really, where I'm ready to hear this and really taking it to heart of how hard it is to just be human, be satisfied with yourself, be in your moment. You are. Right. 
But I mean, no one's going to do that. You have to, <laughs> you got to go do a podcast episode, talk about some music albums. You got to explore life a bit, you know, yeah, you got to okay. do things. Well, it's it's funny because in a way, Dave Byrne and the band were ahead of their time in terms of uh, issuing messages to not, not not just like seeing a great song and making some feel good work for for their listeners for their fans, but also to make you think, right? To analyze what what mm -hmm. are you conveying in this song? Is this something that you could just sit back and you know have a pint and enjoy. This is this is, this is pleasant to listen to. No, he wants to take a, a step further and said, "Oh, listen to what I'm I'm saying here, and you know, and convey a message. You know, it, it might be a little tough to you know to take, but it's still worth listening to and just drawing it in, soaking it in. So yeah, no, I I mean I I I and this was in 1980, right? This album was in 1980, so. He was ahead of his time. I, I don't. I'm only years later when I, I, I hear of like songs that were more re reflective, like that, like in mid '80s, '90s. I would hear more songs of that type of caliber. But he was already doing it, and him and the band. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I guess. Yeah, it's agreed. Yeah, that. I mean, now we look back now where we are in 2022 and 1980s, the simpler time, you know, but. Um, but yeah, it really like like if I'm listening to this, I don't know what your opinion, how you would think about this. But if someone said, "Here's an album, you don't know anything about it, I could tell you who sang it, you don't have any background on them," like I would listen and say, "I find this interesting. This is like art rock, but it can't go mainstream. There's no way people are gonna listen to this band called Talking Heads, and and people are gonna buy this album. <laughs> people are gonna yeah. know who they are." I, you know, I, I, got, I actually drew the same, more or less the same conclusion when I heard the album. It had the like, underground, like, uh, world music kind of feel to it. And I said, you know, if I was a, you know, a new fan in 1980, listening for the first time, yeah, I would think, oh, yeah, yeah, kind of, it's, a, it's a nice album, but I can't see it, you know, being on the Billboard charts. I, I just, I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm, I'm part of like a select few, you know, cool listeners, you know, and I'll, I'll enjoy it. My, my friends will enjoy it, but uh, yeah, good luck to the band. I hope they run up for a while, <laughs> but uh, no, they, they, they totally call on actually, you know. So yeah, I, I, I see your point. Yeah, definitely. right now and i had it on the tv i was playing it on the tv and the oh, big, uh, for our listeners yeah so the pick the album cover was big on the on the, the cover you know the whole tv and it's got for people who may not have seen it maybe listening so you have like these pictures of four people that are like kind of like yearbook pictures maybe that could be yes but then there's like red paint over their faces like obscuring them making them kind of like have that like the horror mask kind of thing <laughs> And just distorting your view of who they are. So you're kind of looking and you're like, this is just a generic like yearbook picture, but this is disturbing for me to look at. <laughs> so like, yeah, just you know, like walking into the record store and being like, hey, let me pick that up or putting this on a, on a party other than Once in a Lifetime, which is so catchy and I love that song. Like the other songs, people would be like, what is this? But yeah, I mean, I think that's um, really just... 
shows how how good the music is that even when it's like you know art rock which i i love this term i'm gonna have to be looking into art rock groups here oh, oh yeah to, to look into this this category of kind of how people present this music here awesome. but yeah i'm uh yeah this is this blew me away i was like because not expecting it to be like like this at all when i when i turned it on i was like okay i remember once in a lifetime let's give this a try and i said wow there's something amazing here yeah let me um really quick uh give credit to where credit is due for this album and mm -hmm. so this was produced in uh, two uh studios one in compass point nassau that's in the bahamas and as well as sigma sound in Philadelphia. And yes, so this is falls into two rock subgenres, uh, art rock, as we mentioned, and dance rock. And now, now in terms of the, the artists who were in the band at the time, uh, the Talking Heads, we have now Chris France at the keyboards, drums, percussion, backing vocals. So he's a, definitely a multi-talented musician. We have Tina Weymouth. She's a keyboardist, bassist, percussion, backing vocals. Jerry Harrison, keyboards, guitar, percussion, backing vocals. And of course, the infamous Mr. David Byrne, lead vocals, keyboards, guitars, bass, percussion, and vocal arrangements. They also had for this album additional musicians. Of course, we mentioned Mr. Brian Eno, he played keyboards, guitars, bass, percussion, backing vocals, vocal arrangements, and producer. <laughs> yeah, and Adrian Bailu, guitarist, and the Roland guitar synthesizer. Robert Palmer, percussion. Hmm, sounds familiar. Uh, jo Jose Rosie, percussion. John Hassel, trumpets, horns, and Nona Hendricks, backing vocals. Uh, so that was quite the team, quite the ensemble for the band, for this album. And that was in 1980, uh, October 8th. It was released October 8th, 1980. Very good run. Yeah, it's a big crew right there. Yeah. Oh, and Tommy, before I want to quickly ask, uh, you mentioned a documentary that you saw. Uh, I believe it was around this time, uh, this film, the covering this album I, I, I possibly right it um this uh it was a recent one that i saw it was on hbo actually you read my mind i was just trying to remember the name of that david byrne let's see if i can come up with it real quick here but it was um Oh yeah, American Utopia. Now this is totally different than that that um, agitation that I was getting. What listening to this album, the good agitation. This was it's just a stage act. He's got a whole bunch of people behind him, and they're playing all different like. Uh, for lack of a better term, like different world instruments all from all over the world, different really nice rhythmic sounds, lots of drums and, you know, sounds coming from everywhere. And it's beautifully put together. And it, it's just a, 
it's a crowd pleaser. That's a crowd pleaser. And they, um, they have a whole stage act that goes along with it. And it's uh, one that I would highly recommend. I'd seen it on HBO a number of months ago. I think it may, I think it is still back on there. If anyone wants to check that out, that's David Burns, American Utopia. Cool. Yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll add that to the show notes. Uh, definitely. And awesome. And yeah, and also I will include a link to the video, which showcases the cover of the album or that Tommy specified. Yeah, it, it's a, a bit of a haunting image there. <laughs> I agree that the, the, the face paint looks like, or well, kind of, yeah. So uh, that's cool. Um, and so any, uh, Tommy, I'm gonna uh, wrap up this episode. Do you have any closing thoughts on this album you wanna share with the listeners? Um, you know, if I'm uh, lucky enough to get invited back, maybe we'll try something a little more cheerful. Maybe sure. we'll go Britney Spears or... No, Britney Spears on this album. Sorry, it's a different problem. <laughs> something you can get up and dance to. <laughs> well, dance rock is a shovel genre, so yeah. We, we but yeah, no, uh, yeah, my parting thoughts are, um, yeah, definitely ha- very happy that I had a chance to come on the show again and just discussed this album it really um it's very thought-provoking the, the time before or episode before it really changed you know after that i was really thinking about what we had to say with each other on the t- on the podcast and this is another album that's really made me think quite a bit you know and just preparing some thoughts for this and how to you know digest everything that i heard so yeah definitely it's it's a great pleasure to to be able to be a guest on your podcast. Oh, thank you. Pleasure's all mine, Tommy. Thank you very much. And we will uh, definitely have you back again, on again. And so thank you everybody for tuning in to this episode of Milk's Tuesday Trucks podcast. And be sure to tell one and all about the podcast. And for the meantime, until we meet again, keep on rocking on.